There are a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL draft this year. My name is Ben Solak, and I host the Ringer NFL Draft Show with Danny Kelly, Danny Heifetz, and Greg Horbeck. We cover trades, free agency, and the draft, which is, yeah, obviously. We'll tell you about everything, which includes which quarterbacks are good, which quarterbacks are bad, and which quarterbacks are just Kirk Cousins. That is the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Search the Ringer NFL Draft Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special Shield Capadia. Joined by the man, Benny Souls and Ace Producer, Cliff Augustine. We're talking some birds today. It's the offseason. It's every team's offseason. There was a Chiefs parade today. We got some Hassan Reddick talk. I'm asking Solak for some just, just give us a little taste of what's going on draft. Because I got I have no idea what's going on with the draft. So we'll get that from Solak. And then we'll do some voicemails at the end. I know Cliff messaged us earlier. He's got something to get off his chest. Whenever you get that text from Cliff, you know something good is coming. So, Benny Souls, how's the body clock? You uh, you adjusted to your oh, usual baby. time zone. How are we feeling? I feel great. I've gotten at least like 10 hours of sleep last couple of nights. I am I am fully recovered. Voice is coming back. Uh, I, sleep schedule is not good, but it was never good in the first place. Who cares? I have not been on this show since Joel Embiid tore his meniscus. I'm so done, dude. I can't. I know so much more about menisci, sisses, than anybody should know. I'm so finished. But And then Jaden Springer game, they traded Springer. I'm in such a bad place with the 76ers right now. That's where I'm at. That's where my body clock is. Why Why am I getting a call here? I don't. I, now, my, now my wife is calling. Do I answer? 
You got to answer. It might be an emergency. No, I feel like it's not an emergency. I'm you can intuit that from yeah. the call well, screen? We were just texting a second ago. So and so I'm going to say, I'm going to put this one on silent. And then if I get another wow. one, then I'll know it's I tell you, I, there is no time at which I will screen a call from my wife. That's just <laughs> me, though. That's just me, though. Well, your wife's pregnant. My wife is not pregnant. That's that. That's twenty four seven, brother. That's work life balance. Google that, Shil. Uh, listen, I've been teaching you about that. You haven't been teaching me about that. All right, I don't know what we're talking about. Okay, Hassan Reddick. Let's talk. Let's talk some Hassan Reddick here. Uh, Benny Souls. I was going to tell you we could talk some Buddy Heald. You know, in the weeks ahead, if you have some Sixers takes to get off. But let's start with Hassan Reddick. So we're there. We're in Vegas. I wake up getting ready to cover the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, news breaks. That Hassan Reddick has been and his representation have been given permission to seek a trade if they would like to. So, what to make of this? There are many uh, different angles here. Uh, first of all, what was your sort of just initial reaction to that news? Yeah, initially, I was surprised. I didn't know that this was uh, a, a thing that was coming down the mountain. Um, I, I know there have been a little bit of rumblings about it, but it wasn't something that I was, I was, it was too much on my radar. Uh, the more information that came out of, uh, from it, the more it made sense. When it initially came out, it was kind of framed as like, you know, like the Azad uh, Reddick is seeking a, a trade, what have you. Like, okay, maybe the Eagles are moving on from him. Maybe that, you know, the, they're too far apart on contract, whatever. But now, the further we get down the mountain, it sounds like the Eagles are basically telling Azad, listen, like, you know, if, if you can find somebody who wants to pay you more money, please feel free to. We'll be very happy to send you over there. We'll find a good package and we'll we'll move on. If you if you're not able to or if you don't want to, like we will very happily continue to employ you at your current contract figure and start you and you will have many sacks and it will be wonderful. Uh, Jordan Schultz, who's an insider for Bleacher Report, uh, uh, was speaking on, I think, Gilio's show this week of Memory Service. Forgive me if I got that wrong. And uh he basically said, uh, like, listen, like, this is no animosity, no ill will whatsoever. Like, the Eagles are telling Reddick and his agent, if you can go find a deal, great. If not, great. Like, you know, this is uh, something that's available to you in the twilight of your career if you want a different location or if you want to get a bigger payday, go for it. Um, so there's not a lot of animosity, which I think is good. Um, the value and the, you know, what would it take? And, and is Reddick, uh, uh, is he on a good contract for the Eagles? Is he on a good contract for Reddick? Like, I think all that's got some... Some logic to it. There's some conversation to be had there. I wouldn't want them to move off Reddick for nothing. I think the Reddick is still a useful player. I also think that, you know, and, and Eagles fans got mad at me for this at the time, his 16-sack season was a little, like, uh, empty calories a little bit. Like, I, I, I do think that that's kind of, like, the high ceiling, like, the 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 top, top, top level of, of Hassan Reddick. And I think what you saw last season and kind of his 10-sack seasons with the Cardinals and the Panthers, a little bit more kind of what you should expect from him on a year-to-year basis, certainly as he gets older. Um, so you have to be able to try to calibrate to what sort of player he is and what he could return. But altogether, like, the nice thing is that it's not like they've, like, fallen apart. And it's like, we got to train Reddick for a fourth-round pick so he'll never play here again. Like, that's not the case. That's good to see. Yeah, I think I generally have liked Reddick more than you have liked yeah. Reddick. I mean, you look last three years, thirty-eight sacks. Uh, that's on two different teams with four different defensive coordinators. Players with more sacks in the last three years than Reddick: T.J. Watt, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Micah Parsons, and Trey Hendrickson. That's it. F- five players, uh, and you know he has he's ninth in QB hits. So it's not like every time he's hitting the QB, uh, it's a sack. It's not one of those deals extremely durable, I think has, let me see, never missed a game or has missed one game uh, in his entire career, right. something like that. So I think that needs to be taken into account. Uh, yeah, last year, I mean, the whole defense fell apart and he wasn't as productive, certainly, 
in the second half of the season, the the latter stretch there, but still 15th in sacks, mm-hmm. uh, 11th in quarterback One, hits. Yeah. One big thing for Reddick that is a feather in his cap that you didn't mention, he really tends to show up in the fourth quarter. Uh, he, is, he, is a, he does a good job of, I think. Closer. Yeah, exactly. Of, of, of hitting his uh, his second gear and his third gear. No idea what you just said. Uh, <laughs> in order to uh, uh, to be successful in those late pass situations, which is a big deal, right? You need to have the gas for that, and he does. And Reddick's quite a good player. I think that, that after the 16-sack season... There was a lot of like, why don't we talk about Hassan Reddick as an elite edge rusher? I do not view him as an elite edge rusher. This is an edge one. This is a a your, this is a player who can be your top sack getter year over year. I think he still has that for the next couple of years. So I, I don't think he's top eight, but I think he's top 16, if that makes sense. Yeah, I would put uh, Garrett Parsons. I kind of put them on their own level. And then oh, yeah. well, Watt and Bosa, those are kind of like the four. Watt, Bosa, I think yeah. Crosby's up there above him. Right? Yeah, it's like, interesting uh, to look at Reddick's numbers. For, I, I I agree with you. Um, I think, yeah, if you were saying Reddick for Crosby straight up, who would you want? I think I would say Crosby, but the numbers are pretty interesting there uh, with those two. So Reddick. Turns- Reddick or like uh, Daniil Hunter. That's where I think we start to get into like a, like an interesting conversation. You know, which, like that's a- which is an interesting one because he's a free agent uh, this offseason. Yeah. And so it all, all obviously ties together if there are teams in need of an edge rusher would they be willing to give something up for Hassan Reddick who turns 30 in September has one year left on his deal at 14.25 million dollars uh or uh you know so if you want Reddick you would have to give up compensation and then you would have to pay him versus if you think you can make a splash in free agency then obviously you just have to sign a guy so yeah I I think it's pretty straightforward I mean Reddick was not happy with his deal going into last season um and then he plays out last season, and now it's the same situation. He's going into the final year of his deal, and he obviously thinks he's worth a number more than whatever the Eagles think he is worth there. So uh, let's get into the compensation question here. And you and I were talking about this, I think, in the press box before the Super Bowl. So here are some trades uh, of edge rushers in recent years. So Dolphins traded a first and a fourth. To the Denver Broncos, they got a fifth in return. So and Chase Edmonds, so it's really a first, and then a little bit more. Uh, that trade came with an extension. Bradley Chubb was only 26 years old, but he did not have the same production that Hassan Reddick has. So that was one. Uh, Rams traded a second and a third for half a season of Von Miller, and they would do it again because they won the Super Bowl. Von Miller was 32 years old uh, at the time, so that's another one. Chargers traded a second and a sixth to the Bears for Khalil Mack. Mac was 31 at the time. That's another one. Uh, Bears traded a second round pick to the Commanders for Montez Sweat. Sweat was 27, but like Reddick, Sweat needed a new contract. That was a trade, and then we have to yep. extend uh, this guy. And then the last one here on my list: 49ers traded a third round pick to the Commanders for half a season of Chase Young. So I look at all that, and I think it's pretty clear: like you're not calling for less than a, less than a second you're not even having a conversation. Like that is the baseline. Now we can talk about how much higher can it go than a second? Would a team be willing to give up a second and then like a conditional third that turns into a second the next year if Reddick has, I don't know, 10 sacks, whatever. So I think a second and something is probably the most likely compensation. If you were to tell me like the Eagles were able to get a second that could turn into a first, you know, like a 2020, like a 20... I would say I think that's unlikely, but I wouldn't say like I totally uh, rule that out. And if they were able to get just a first round pick for Hassan Reddick, 
at this point, given his age, again, 30 years old, and the fact that a team needs to sign him to an extension, that would be uh, a big-time uh, move by Howie Roseman. That that would surprise me. So that's how I kind of see it. I think if there is a trade, I think you're probably looking at a second-rounder plus something else. What do you think based on all those other guys that I mentioned? Yeah, the, another deal that, that stands out to me is the first Yannick Ngakwe deal. Ngakwe was 26. He was going to play on the tag for $18 million. Uh, with the Jaguars, but he didn't want to play for the Jaguars anymore. And he, he got a second and a conditional fifth to go to the Vikings. And he also took a lower structured deal. It was one year, $12 million, right? And I think that that's sort of a construct where it's like a second round pick and then something. And also we finagle with the money a little bit. I think that's that's possible. Because remember, the Eagles will take a, uh, a $22 million cap hit this year if Hassan Reddick is on the team. If they uh, move him, if they if they trade him, they take a $20.6 million dead cap hit. They save a little over a million dollars by moving him on. And so for the Eagles, uh, balance sheet-wise, books-wise, there isn't much 2024 value in moving Redick. You're kind of paying the same money regardless. There's 2025 value, right? Because there's there's the, the bonus, stru- like all the, all the cap money that would be on 2025 with all of his restructured deals. That comes off the 24. You get it done in 24. You have more room in 25. But in general, for the Eagles right now, like there's not a huge fiscal gain of moving Redick in the short term. And so I think if you if you are talking with a team and they're, they're putting a two on the table and you say, let's sweeten this up a little bit, you try to find a way to make them t- give you $6 million in, in space, $8 million in space by restructuring the Reddick deal, which is something you bring to Reddick's agent. You say, hey, if you restructure the deal like this right now, then we trade you to the Bears, Broncos, I don't know, whatever. And then you're, 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 you're golden. And so I do think that there's some money finagling as well that could change the compensation. But in general, yeah, Yannick Ngakwe was a two. Chandler Jones in 2016 was a two and change. He was like younger and, and, and they signed him to a huge deal after they traded him to the Cardinals. Like, I think you're looking at a two for sure. And then it's a question of what, what more are you doing on top? Yeah, they sh- like the more I think about this, Eagles shouldn't really be that motivated to trade us on no. Reddick. You know, they are like, they're, they're looking at themselves, obviously, with the offseason moves and the roster as a Super Bowl contender in 2024. And I think that's reasonable, whether you think they're like the eighth most likely team to win the Super Bowl or the fourth most likely team or the 12th, like whatever. Uh, this It's reasonable to expect them to have a chance to win the Super Bowl next season. And Reddick is still a very good player. Like he's 30. He's not 36. You know, like edge rushers can play well at 30, 31, 32 years old. And so um, if you're not getting something like really good, you know, you really have to think about, is it worth it? Now we don't know the behind the scenes locker room, like what, what's he going to be like if you keep him uh, on this deal, all those things. But um, you know, one year at a, at 14.25 million for a player like Hassan Reddick, you're actually you're, like, you're getting surplus out of that. I mean, he's a better player than that. If he hit free agency, uh, he would get more than that there. So I think that's uh one way to look at, the compensation. So, uh, given that, what is the compensation where you would say, "All right, yes, go ahead and trade Hassan Reddick." Like, there's always a value. You know, if yeah. I said there's someone's going to give up four first round picks, you're obviously saying, uh, "Yeah, go ahead and give up Hassan Reddick." So, would you do it for like a two and uh, and a twenty twenty five three that turns into a two? Would you only do it if you for get sure. a first round pick? Where where where's like the line for you? Yeah, I think it's like a two plus like round three round four you can attach conditions on it if you want the other thing is we keep saying a two like it's a uh an abstract construct right, if they do the, the yeah, round, if they do this deal before the 2024 draft which i imagine they would want to and i imagine they would right because once the league year starts march 19 17 whenever it is this year 17. middle of march um 
you can actually trade 2024 draft picks. You the, the trade deadline will have renewed to be in the new league year. Uh, and so if the Cardinals come calling, right? Johnny Gans wants his Hassan Reddick back, and they're putting 35 on the table. That's a lot different than if the Detroit Lions with 61 overall are like, hey, we need a second edge rusher to Hassan. Right? That is a big difference. Right. Um, and so I'm looking for like a top 50 pick and then another pick that can potentially end up in like the top 100, whether you attach conditions on it or you give it to me straight. Um, I'm willing to get a little bit later on that second pick if you take some money off my hands, right? And, and, and you make the cap hit less. But there's the Eagles should have no big instinct to trade Reddick. The other thing is, I, I imagine the number one reason why Reddick would do this, because Reddick, again, seems like he likes Philly and he likes playing here and he's a Philly guy, whatever, is because he has the potential of getting big money on the on the upcoming deal right and so this can get squirrely if the opposing team uh, the, the trading team has told yeah, reddick's agent whose name is escaping me at this time hey we like, don't need when to you, name agents on here yeah when you bring when when we get reddick we will immediately put two years and, and 35 million on his deal right now reddick's going to be a little bit like hey if you don't move me I'm a little grumpy. And then that causes some problems. That's the other factor that kind of may change the price a little bit is if Reddick's agent knows that he has an extension on the table, they can play a little more hardball than they are right now. I think I'm in a similar spot with the compensation. I think if you get like a top 40 pick, I'm probably like, all right, this is, this is yeah. worth it. You know, let's, let's go ahead and trade him. Mm -hmm. We have holes to fill on the roster. We need to get younger. If it's like worse than that, you know, if you're talking about 50 uh, yeah. into the, then I would want a second. Uh, I would want that pick. And then I would want probably a day two pick in 2025. Mm -hmm. It can be conditional, whatever. But right. I think that seems to me like the point it would have to get to for me to want to actually yeah. trade Hassan Redding. One more important thing to watch for is, let's say they're they're holding Redick on April 25th, 2024, whenever the first day of the draft is. And Buffalo at 28 needs an edge rusher, has a guy that they like in the draft. Ooh, baby, I want me a, a Chop Robinson. I want me a, a, a Jared Verse, right? And And... They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting, and then it, that guy goes at 25, goes at 26. You can have already called and said, hey, you know, Reddick's available. If you if you get on the board at 28 and you don't like anybody, come right. a, come uh, do the A.J. Brown deal, do the Marquise Brown deal, where you just move a first-round pick one year on the clock for the guy. You can have that deal structured in place. Same thing true of Detroit at 29, Baltimore at 30. Like There are teams that need edge rushers at the end of the first round. And so if they don't get a Reddick deal done within the first like three days of the league year opening, it's not ball game, right? You can you can walk into the draft with deals in place with some teams, and and because they're on the clock, you can get like a pretty penny uh, for Hassan Reddick if you if you have that deal structure in place. And so, wouldn't be surprised if we still hear Reddick smoke like in the weeks leading up to the draft as well. With the free agency class, uh, you got Josh Allen and Brian Burns out there, but those guys certainly could get tagged and not hit uh, the market. And then you got guys like Daniil Hunter like Bryce Huff, but, uh, you know, I would like, like you said, I would put Hassan other than Burns and Allen, I would put Reddick there with pretty anybody on the free agent market. So, you know, that, that is working, I think a little bit in the Eagles favor. Uh, all right. Well, how do you think this plays out? What's your, what's your prediction for the other thing is the Eagles could extend his, I mean, he could go out there. It could be the opposite of what you said. His agent could talk to teams and be like, all right, no one's willing to pay us what we think we deserve. Like, like Montez Sweat got $24.5 per year after he was traded mm -hmm. to the Bears. I don't think Reddick's getting in that ballpark. Like I was looking at it. I think it's probably more in like the $17 to $20 million range would be my expectation for what his extension would look like. So the other option for the Eagles, like they might be offering a $17 million per year 
extension and Reddick might say, no, no, we want more than that. They go out, they say, no one's willing to pay us more than that. Okay, uh, we'll come back and we will take a deal with you. So those are kind of the different options. They could trade him, they could keep him for just one year or they could extend him. Those are the three ways this could play out. Uh, what's your prediction? How do you think this plays out? I think Reddick is an eagle in 2024 on the current deal he's on. I, I think that I think that he he takes a look. I don't think there's anybody tripping over themselves to to send a huge amount of capital for Hassan Reddick. I don't think the Eagles, with their current cap situation, with the uh, the deals as the, as they have them, are going to be scrambling to extend Hassan Reddick. I think extension is possible because they have so much put into restructure bonuses right now. So if you give him a couple more years, you know that that bonus money isn't coming to kick you on twenty five when his contract expires. Uh, so I think that they could they could extend him at like market value but they they could have been doing that this whole time you know what i'm saying so i feel like they're trying not to do that they're trying to see if they can get him below or whatever uh but i think he's an eagle in 24 i uh, i don't think they get a deal that's that's warrants moving off us on reddick we gotta you know let uh me and be frank about this if they had seen anything from nolan smith this right. would be a little bit easier to do yeah. uh but they they didn't and yeah. they didn't get him a lot of snaps and matt patricia was playing him at off ball linebacker <laughs> like you know it was kind of a mess um but they didn't. They didn't get a lot of juice out of that, and that that doesn't surprise me. Nolan was walking in like two hundred and thirty nine pounds. Like he, I think, I think he was always going to need a little bit of time. Um, but if you if you had you know had some flashy games of twenty five Nolan Smith snaps, then you know maybe maybe you talk yourself into it. They don't really have the young guy waiting in the hopper behind Reddick right now. And Josh Sweat's a free agent after twenty twenty four. So like as much as they yeah. invest in this position, like if they trade Reddick, they're going into next season with. Josh Sweat and Nolan Smith, and you see if Brandon Graham comes back, like it, it, it all of a sudden went from a position where you felt very deep to one where you're kind of not sure because you're not sure what you're getting with Nolan Smith. I think, I think they're going to bring him back on an ex- and extend him. I, I think it's kind of a tough situation if you just bring him back on his current deal, and you can do that, like you can. But he's unhappy for the second straight season. You know, he was he, he was like a, a good soldier last year for. I don't know. Maybe he wasn't behind the scenes. I don't know. But he came back and he played uh, for you. And he played hard. I mean, you watch Reddick on film. He does, He plays hard all the time. Like, that is something you can absolutely say uh, with conviction when watching him. So I think that they bring him back. He doesn't get maybe he doesn't see maybe the deal he thinks he's going to get as his agents talking to other teams. And you bring him back. You extend him. Again, he's 30. Like, I don't mind having a son Reddick in age 30. And 31 seasons, maybe age 32 seasons. Like, I think uh, that's going to be okay. So, I don't know. That's just my guess. Maybe they'll trade him. We'll see. But obviously, something to watch here. All right. Take a break. We'll come back. You know what? I have a little uh, life situation. We haven't done one of those in a while. So, like, I got a question for you um, about a little issue dealing with now that we got the offseason. Then we'll get, I'm going to ask Solak for three draft prospects to know. I have done nothing with the draft. Solak's doing like 17 uh, draft shows a week and like 40 mock drafts a week. He's all over. Subscribe to the Ring NFL Draft Show. Yeah, so subscribe to the Ringer NFL Draft Show. So I just want like, hey, who are three names, Solak, so that when I do a radio hit next week, I can just steal one of these and be like, oh, you know, th- this could be a guy. I need a little introduction. So if you're like me and need a little introduction, stay tuned for that. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 bet that wins. Two NBA bets I like today. It is Nuggets minus five Hornets plus six and a half. That's $150 if your bet wins. 
So bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RingerPhilly and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit TheRinger.com slash RG. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, we're back on the Ringer's Philly special. All right, here's the situation. Uh, and Cliff, you might want to, if you're not, if you're not, you know, busy producing another uh, show right now uh, or doing some work, you can jump in here for this as well. So, uh, got a little coffee spot, you know, nearby that I, I have two that I like. Okay, one I've been loyal to for years. I still get the beans from them, you know, when I make. I'm coffee, an expert you know? at this. I, I'm so okay. ready for this. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love the beans. Get them, but I have to drive to that one. There's another one I can walk to. What's better than taking a little walk a mile, grab a coffee, put the put the AirPods in, walk back. You're getting, you know, fresh air. So uh, I What are you listening to on the walk, Shield? Podcast. You do not read me as a music guy. Ringer you read podcast. me as uh, first of all, Mount Joy. Uh, shout out to Mount Joy. How dare I you? Love Mount I'm Joy. not a music guy. Uh-huh. I knew all those Usher songs. Uh, at halftime, that was during my prime. <laughs> no, you did it, you know? yo. No, you, you knew every single yeah, one. Yeah, absolutely. Come on. You knew Cliff? every single Usher one. I w- Cliff, I was making, I was burning CDs my senior year of high school oh, with some right, of yeah, those Usher songs on no, there. No, no, no. Come yep. on. No, but you, heard- you, read, you, you read to me as like, uh, while I'm walking to the coffee shop, I should be like listening to an audio book or like listening no, to a podcast. You know what? Like I'm doing listening, some I am listening to podcasts 100% of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I listen to music when I am uh, watching film. Or when I got him doing some type of cardio, you know, I, I do need Cliff to make me look because I've seen Cliff brag about his mixes on social media. I would like to get one of those. On Spotify, you can share it with me, yeah, right? If you need a track, if you need a track, uh, we got to do, you know, do those blended playlists on Spotify. Yeah. We got to do a, we got to do a ringer Philly special blended playlist. Do. Just get Shields exclusively Philly bands, <laughs> Cliff's objectively good music <laughs> and the weird stuff that I listen to all in one, one awful love child of a playlist. <laughs> I listen to a lot of when I, I'm doing car, it's almost all nineties and 2000, uh, Hip hop, it just takes. I'll be back, like that you know? too, though. No, I'll be listening Did to like. You listen to those so too? I listen to I listen to a bunch of new stuff every day. Okay, but like like for instance, like Twenty One Savage, like I listen to that, and I have to like I need I need to hear something that's gonna get me going like crazy. Like I'm the dude in the gym that's like rapping the lyrics, like trying to get myself going in the morning time because 
it's no it, it, it don't need no juice in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Like yeah. in the morning time, it don't be no juice. Everybody just standing around, mm. looking at the TV, watching you know Sports Center, get up or whatever's on on the TV yeah. screen up there. I'm like, oh, like I need to play something that's gonna that's gonna make me you go need crazy. Some energy. Yeah, yeah, like so you know you gotta drop you know the Travis Scott, the the 21 set, like whoever just gives you that energy in the morning. Nipsey Hustle right. behind me, you know you gotta do that. All right, I'm gonna need Cliff's Cliff's playlist. I think I would uh, enjoy that. So anyway, I'm listening to pod podcasts uh, as I walk. Come on, Ringer, Spotify, Solak. I'm listening to all those podcasts. I'm a company man. All right, so <laughs> yes, sir. The one spot I gotta drive to, I get the beans from, but the other spot I can walk to. Now, when I walk to the place, okay, early on they said, "Hey, do you want to be part of our like rewards program?" Now, what's of course. It, when someone asks you, what do you say? You, you're always saying yes right away. Well, I, I, in the event that I go there regularly, I won't sign up for a rewards right. program. It's my first time there, but whatever. My my local coffee spot here does not have a rewards program. It drives me nuts oh, every time okay. I see every time I see the owner. I'm there every Tuesday writing and saying, "Hey, <laughs> I need you. I need to start getting some stars. I need to start getting some balloons. Something. I need a free cookie. This is I, I need it." All right. So I generally I don't love because I don't want to be carrying around like a card or something. I'll forget. So I, my inclination is to just say, no, like, forget it. But it's like, if I'm going in there all the time and I don't have one, they're going to ask me every time. So I might as well do it. Right. So the way they do it now, they ask you for your phone number, but there's a mystery. I don't know how much I need to get to, to get a free. I don't, there's no boxes checked. I don't know what the rewards program actually is. It's like, I just tell you my number when I order something, you're putting something in there, but I haven't gotten anything free uh, yet for this thing. So that's my one issue. Like, can you have a mystery rewards program like this? There's got to be some more transparency. Or do I just not know about it? That's I was about possible. to say, have you actually checked like the details? I was about to say, this guy, they got to be a... There's no, literally no paperwork. They go, do you want to be part of our rewards program? Yes. Okay, give me your phone number. Okay, here it is. And now, and then when I go in, I give them my phone number. And That's not, it. Not the, uh, let me ask you this. Do you get text messages from them? No, I don't. So then what's the point of it? Because normally like the rewards program is... <laughs> right, like, when I get my number, I get the text message. <laughs> right, Did you put it, your you, number in correctly? Yeah. Because I didn't give my name. I gave my wife's name. First of all, usually I give her number because I'm like, I don't want anyone anyone calling me. That's unbelievable. Me. You're just nuking her with random rewards messages in the middle of the day? That's what, that's what I normally do. But I did give my number for this. Okay, so that's part one. It's a mystery rewards program. I don't know how to feel about this. But here's my bigger issue, okay? So I'm standing in line the other week and there's a woman in front of me. And they say to her, like, you know, are you part of the rewards program? And she says, no, would you like to be? Yes. Okay. She gives her phone number. Then my turn to order. I go up, I order, I pay. And I say, oh, by the way, for rewards, here's my number. And they said, oh, you got to give us that before, before you ordered or paid. In my head, I'm going, why did you ask me? You asked her. You set the precedence asking her uh, if she. So why, how did I not get the ask there? Not who's the, in the, Am I in yeah. the box or no? Barista messed up. They, they got to ask you that yeah. beforehand. Okay. Like, that's on them. That's not on you to remind okay. um, the lovely young lady or the guy, hey, yeah. yo, I'm a rewards member. They got to yeah. definitely get you beforehand. Like, yo. Okay. Listen. You're, so I got no rewards for that. Like you can't do any. There's nothing in the computer where you can yeah, retroactively this place's add rewards setup is weird. Yeah. This okay. is, and on top yeah, of that, this is uh, they didn't ask you for an email either. So because normally they spam your email with a whole bunch of like promotional like I'll nonsense. I'll give all kinds and, of fake emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So normally, crazy. I, you literally sent me a gift card on <laughs> Christmas, and I didn't even realize. <laughs> That's 
<laughs> Yo, Ben, get this right. So I know, I didn't know that. She'll text me. Um, yesterday was it? Yesterday, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. So yesterday, um, he texted me. He's like, "Yo, by the way, did you get the gift card I sent you on Christmas?" I'm like, "What? You sent me a gift card on Christmas? Like thinking it went in the mail? Because you know, I just recently moved back to Philly. Something. Yeah. He sent it over to Brooklyn immediately. He's like, "Nah, like check your email." I go, I scroll back to Christmas. I thought it was. I literally thought it was spam. Not even open up the email. Lo and behold, it's a nice. $50 gift card to this great local coffee establishment here in Fairmont, Philadelphia, which I will be going to a lot more often. I, I go to it pretty often now, but shout out to Shil for giving me that $50 well, gift well, card. Well, Cliff, I was having, like the conversation we're having now, I was having that on text with my friends because I'm like, I don't want to look like I'm fishing for a thank you and be oh. like, you know, did you get my gift card? But I'm like, oh, Cliff, would you generally be? So I'm like, and it was kind of this weird third, but you know, some places don't have gift cards. So now yeah. there are these weird sites where they'll get you a gift card, like to the place. But I'm like, I don't know if he got it or not. How long do I wait? You know, like, did he not? I don't want this money to just go to waste. And so, so I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. So, all right, Almost so two you months guys, later. Almost two months uh, later, you asked me. All right. So next time that I go in the coffee place, do I, am I just start off? Here's my rewards number. Am I wait? Do I give him another chance? What's my move? I, I would give him another chance. Okay. But that's mostly because I avoid confrontation <laughs> and inconveniencing too. others. 100%. On the pain of death. Yeah. There's no uh, chance I'm, yeah. And then and then I will, I, I would be, be getting rewards until I see what I got from it and see how many many trips it warranted. Um, yeah. When do I that, ask? That's the other question. When do, when am yeah. I like, um like I've been coming... <laughs> I've been coming here for six months. Do I get anything out of this? There's yeah, gotta yeah. be a point I, where I ask. I don't know when that's that, gonna be. Yeah, you gotta right. You gotta you gotta go for a little bit and you gotta see, and then if nothing comes, then you gotta ask, and then that'll feel horrible, and then it'll be a total mess. I guess I have to uh, check with my wife to make sure she I make sure she didn't get the free bit. Because again, I put her name on it and we're putting the same phone number. So there is a chance she went there. Got some type of freebie. And okay, I don't whose know phone it. number is it? Yours or your wife's? No, it's my phone number, but it's her name. <laughs> why does why how who does that benefit? Okay. Oh, well, listen, I'll tell you why. Because when your name is Sheel, I don't need them. Uh, Sheila, Shelly, she I don't need to go over that whole thing every time I go. So I'm just giving the easy name, Jessica. They know that name. I'm just giving her name. Every like if we're doing takeout, I'm not giving my name because I don't need you writing down the wrong thing. And now I'm upset. You think my name is Sheila? Why don't you listen? Why don't you pay attention? And now <laughs> I got fair. another vendetta. If it's not a, if it's not apparent right <laughs> now, it doesn't take vendetta. it doesn't take much to get me riled up. So that's Yo, why I don't give my name. That sounds like back in the day, a lot of people used to use that. Like that's, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like they used to, they used to accidentally do that. All. Like the, you know how the, the new teacher or the substitute teacher they got to go over their names. In yeah. the beginning of the class, if they don't, if they're not used to it, and then like you, you talk to one of your friends whose name you've been calling Alex all year, but then their first name is like uh, right. Joshua Alexander. Yeah, Western. right. You're exactly. Like, You're like, what? Oh, yeah, who's yeah. This? You've been lying <laughs> like, to me. Yeah. yeah like you must have gotten that a lot growing up, like just oh with the substitute gosh. teachers and like the first. I didn't realize. I usually they're afraid until, to say it. They'll yeah. they'll ask me how to say. It. I yeah. didn't realize until this conversation that Sheila's just Sheila without an A at the end. That's tough. <laughs> Uh, you, I would have, I would have bullied the daylights out of you in third grade, man. I mean, I would. That's over the plate, brother. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're you're lucky. Uh, mom, my mom and dad aren't listening, so like they, you would have made a rival for life uh, with that comment. All right, I I didn't realize. I had no idea. I'm just saying, if I had the brain of a seven year old, then yeah, I would have been after that for sure. All right, so there you go. That's the situation. Anyone uh, with insight into that can 
China. I will say yeah. real quick. So yeah. the, I, there's two spots where I have rewards because I go on the same spot for Tuesday to write. But on Sunday, coming back from church, we go to the same bagel spot. The bagel spot has the punch cards. Man, I miss a punch card. A punch card is good, man. It's a good feeling. I pull that John out of the wallet. I see exactly how long I got to go. They, they tell me, like, oh, do you want to use your free sandwich now? Like, heck yeah, I do. Give me another one of these. I'll see you guys again on Sunday. That punch card, bring it back to analog, man. A punch card is nice. You, know, you really just... You forced that John out pretty, pretty hard right there. That was like Creed esque uh, Tasha, or uh, what's my girl I, name? Tess Thompson when she went to Max and got the G State. John. John, yeah. York, like that was, that was a nice little force one. I like how you put it in there, though. I like, I started saying John as a bit, and then I 100% accidentally adapt, adopted it into real parlance. <laughs> like, I'll say it now when day, I, yeah. I'll say it now, like with people who are not from Philly who do not understand what's going on. I'm like, ah, oh, it's my When mind. I first moved away from Philly and kept saying John, like thinking, you got to remember, I went to high school, element, like I did every level of school in here in Philadelphia. And then I leave the city and I go somewhere else. So I was like, yeah, can I get that John real quick? And then people be like, what, the, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are not. <laughs> All right. There you go. All right. There. So, so we, we we'll get to the bottom of it. I'll give updates on this. I know. Listen, this is why the people listen. So, uh, I'll give updates on this periodically. All right. Let's do a little draft talk real quick. So, like I asked you for a little homework. I did no prep for this segment. All I want is three names. Three names yep. that if you're an Eagles fan, hey, these are guys they could potentially take, or you can tell me these are guys you would love if they take. You can take it anywhere you want. Give me three names that Eagles fans should know Ooh. as we look ahead to the draft in a couple months here. Uh, the first name that I want to bring up is, uh, I got two really cool names, then the third just most average name ever. Uh, Chop Robinson, edge mm. rusher out of your alma mater, Penn, Penn State. State. Okay, this is uh, the guy I know. So this is a great... Um, this is a great uh, uh, if the Eagles move on from Redick candidate to be taken there at, at 22. His real name is Demion. Demion, I'm not oh, sure how to see, pronounce it's it. It's like Cliff was just uh, saying. Yeah. He probably told everyone chop, and then the substitute came yeah. in and said Damien. So, and everyone's like, who's, who's, yeah. who's Damien? <laughs> so the, uh, the story is that he was nicknamed uh, Porkchop because he was such a big baby. Uh, SI reported that he was 14 pounds as a baby, which <laughs> it feels ludicrous. Um, uh, uh, he signed an NIL deal with Pennsylvania pork producers uh, for pork chops when he was there at Penn State, leaning into the bit, which is very good. Um, but he's 6'3". I think he's going to be a little bit under 250. He's listed over 250. He is a Hassan Reddick build pass rusher. He is first step and beat you, right? He is unbelievably quick off the line of scrimmage. He does both a good job anticipating the snap count and getting a jump kind of the the uh the tricky way but then he also just is objectively really fast out of a stance has powerful first two steps uh and, and can beat you that way the old-fashioned way as well uh other people like 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 him as a top 10 top 15 guy not for me personally i think that he's a little bit undersized and so he only works for certain roles and i think that he's still learning how to run his counters and, and develop his hands off of that first step right now he's a little bit of a one-trick pony but the physical toolkit is the sword that i think gets drafted round one and you can see the light bulb uh uh starting to come on for him, he did not have a productive uh, 2023 season on the box score. Uh, just four sacks, 27 pressures. PFF graded him the second best edge rusher, however, by pass rush grade uh, in the country. And so this was a highly productive player who, in terms of beating the, the offensive tackle, and then he just couldn't necessarily finish those plays or didn't have the, the supporting cast there at Penn State uh, to do so. And so a little bit of a question of like, is he just a penetration player, an upfield player, and he's going to get washed? Or can he kind of grow into an actual high sack player? But Chop Robinson, I think when you start to look at edge rushers at 22 in the Hassan Reddick is no longer an Eagles world, uh, Robinson's the guy who makes the most sense to me. All right, there you go. Good one. I started his career. This is from uh, our great ringer draft guide. 
from uh, from Danny Kelly here. Uh, started his career at Maryland, 2021, true freshman, then transferred to Penn State. Like you mentioned, not huge production last year, four sacks and 26 pressures last year. Looks like he had, yeah. what, 11, season- 11 and a half sacks in three seasons. Yeah, the, the, the season previous, uh, uh, five and a half sacks, two tackles for loss. Uh, he had a forced fumble. He was a little bit more productive as a sophomore than he was as a junior. Okay, I like um, that one. We just talked about it. Yeah. It's, a, it's suddenly a need, I guess. Yeah, like I didn't think about it before, but it's like, man, if you do, especially if you do trade us on Reddick, like, all right, well, who's yeah. playing edge rusher for the next few seasons here? All right, I like that one. What's next? Yeah, uh, yeah so keeping with the, uh, the objective of, of cool names, uh, I think corner is going to be the biggest position that gets talked about. Kool Aid need in round one. Kool Aid, Kool Aid McKin- right. McKinstry, the corner out of out of Alabama, uh, nicknamed Kool Aid by his grandmother because he was born smiling. Uh, that's what that was her explanation. Uh, he did sign an NIL deal also at Alabama with Kool Aid. Uh, so again, leading into the bit, we appreciate uh, all this research. By the way, all these factoids come uh, from Dan Comer, who's a, a fact checker and researcher here, uh, who does a lot of our NFL draft research for the NFL show. So thank you to Dan. Uh, this from Comer. He has a Chucky doll named Juice, matches his name, uh, that he carried around in high school because they're both killers. And he's not allowed to have it on the sideline at Alabama games, but his mom brings it to every game. So his mom is sitting in that stands at Alabama games with a Chucky doll because he and Kool-Aid are both killers, which I feel is a great a great window, great insight into cornerback brain. That's kind of how uh, that that that's uh, that, that's how you like your corners yeah, to be I dialed. Like that. Yeah, I mean, I really, yeah, I really like Kool Aid. He is smooth. He is balanced. He is under control. He is has high agility. Has good speed. Like this is a this is a a guy who's built to play corner in terms of the way that he moves. You can tell that he always has the ability to react. He understands how to read it out. He was a five star recruit. Uh, the Eagles, their uh, entire like bottom of the depth chart at defensive back at corner is all top recruits, right? Uh, Keely Ringo is a five star. Uh, Mario Goodrich, I think, was a four-star. Eli Ricks was a five-star. Josh Job was a five-star. They tend to really invest in guys who just have the physical toolkit to play this position because this tends to be a position where you either can move or you can't to kind of at the NFL level, and so they go for those high-caliber recruits. Uh, he started as a, uh, he started as a freshman, like end of the season. Played through his sophomore year. Played into his junior year. Highly productive. Size-wise, he's a little bit average, and I don't think he's going to test like. 90th percentile i think he'll test like 75th percentile and everything so there's a chance he loses to like the big guys to the wide receiver ones there's a chance he's more like a better corner two over the course of his career but he can play man and zone and he he moves wonderfully he's a clear first round player uh i think that his teammate at alabama terry and arnold also played corner i think he's going to go a little bit earlier he's a little bit more physical he's a little bit more aggressive uh, press man sort of stuff um but kool-aid to me is like lock steady round one player again might not end up being your elite corner one but hard to see him completely whiffing at the nfl level what type of like is i i I hate to ask you for a comp so early unless you have one uh in mind but is there like a type of player that he mm-hmm. reminds you of in the NFL where you, you know how I need, to, I need this information. Like I need to be able to picture somebody uh, in my head. Yeah. Um, hmm. All right. That's a hard one. I put you on the spot. You can think about it. Right. If anyone comes it's tricky, to you. It's tricky because the main thing for him is like, is versatility, right? And I think okay. he can do a lot of stuff for you. And I think he can play comfortably in man, play comfortably in zone. A lot of the, the names that pop out for guys like that, which is like, Oh, you know, Greg Newsome. Oh, freaking like Trent McDuffie. Like those names are probably a little bit too rich. Uh, I also, I already have Newsome as a comp down for Quinion Mitchell is the, the corner out of Toledo, whoever they really like. Uh, but he's, I mean, like, He's bigger than Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton was the first guy who came to mind, but Sutton's like 5'11 and buck 80, and he's like 6'1, 195, so he's yeah. bigger than that. 
Uh, so it's hard. I'll All come right. up with one. Okay, we'll, we'll come up. All right, I like that one. Now, Eagles, obviously, you look at it and say, Howie Roseman has not drafted a corner in the first round. I really think that's more by chance than anything else. I don't think that's like a philosophical, we're not going to do that type thing. And this is a spot where they've got old players in Darius Slay and James Bradbury, if Bradbury is even back. So uh, obviously a position of need. All right, who's your third one? Yeah, so uh, talking about positions the Eagles have invested in the first round, they either take a trench player on either side of the ball or they take a wide receiver. And I think that wide receiver is still on the board uh, for the Eagles. Devonta Smith's contract, right? I mean, like it's going to be coming up for them. Obviously, they want to keep Devonta in the building, um, but you need to. Uh, uh, they're going to have to decide by May whether or not they pick up his fifth-year option. Presumably, they will, but they don't really have a wide receiver three on the roster right now. And I think that they would like to have some flexibility behind AJ Brown's deal, behind Devonta Smith's deal. The player at twenty-two that would be most interesting is absolutely Brian Thomas, uh, who's out of LSU. This is a six-four, two hundred and five-pound speedster. Surely he can fly, dude. He can. He's he's like he's like a like a, a fighter jet taken off, man. He's unbelievable. Uh, 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 twenty-two point three miles per hour. He was clocked at at some point during the season, which is faster than. Anybody was moving in the NFL this season. That's faster than all the Dolphins boys, right? Over 22 and a quarter miles per hour. Woo-hoo! Moving. Uh, he had 15 touchdowns this year. He was a, a finalist for the Bolitnikoff. Led the league, in, uh, led, led the country in touchdowns, excuse me. He played second fiddle to Malik Neighbors there at LSU. Neighbors is going to go like top 10, top 15. Probably top 10, to be honest. Uh, Thomas, uh, go, go, gadget arms. Six gear, uh, a, a car, can track it, can play through contact. I mean, this is like premier vertical threat at the NFL level sort of a player. And then you're hoping that he can be more for you, right? He can take underneath stuff and he can house that. He can win through contact in the intermediate level of the field. But if you're thinking of the Eagles, like, all right, you're, you're Quez Watkins and you're Alameda Zacchaeus. They haven't been able to get that true field structure out there to kind of create space for A.J. Brown, create space for Devontae Smith. That's what this guy can give you in year one. And then as you progress year two and year three, uh, he didn't necessarily have like a ton of volume early for LSU and LSU's pass game only got really good this year. And so he's still got some growing to do. He can potentially replace one of those guys moving forward. Uh, so Brian Thomas, man, fought. Everybody should go home and just turn on some Brian Thomas film. Watch that young man run. Holy smokes. So wide receiver would surprise me. It would have to be a situation where it's just like, this is clear, clearly the best guy on the board. I don't think Devontae Smith is going anywhere. I think he's staying, him and A.J. Brown, they're in their primes. And so it's it's one of those where is this the bet? Now, obviously, if he's the best guy on your board and you think he's great, then you go ahead uh, and you take him. So that's good. Yeah, wow. I mean, 6'4", can run, like you 17.3 yards per reception. Yep. So I, I can see and, the and fit. He's got, like, he's got he's got arms like you like he can he can touch his knees without bending over. He's just okay. he's just built for downfield stuff, man. He's so cool. Okay. Uh update on why my wife was calling me. So I was on a little text thread with uh with her and my daughter and uh I thought I was responding just to my wife and I said what the H E double hockey sticks to something? Where my daughter uh, was on the on the text also. Well, my wife was telling me, delete that text. Why are you saying that to our eleven year old? So I went in and I edited it. I deleted it, but now my daughter just texted me and said, Bro, why'd you say what the H E double hockey <laughs> So Wait, did he call did she call you bro? Yeah. So <laughs> So I guess somehow in the deleting of the text, I didn't even do that uh, probably. So uh, not, you know, listen, 
dad dad See, life you don't win them all you know sometimes you this struggle. is why Cliff looks so disappointed in me look at cliff's face cliff it's not this that is bad why you, this is why you hockey need just isn't even really a bad word come on you need to spend more time on podcasts <laughs> doing other things like i do because that way you'd be prepared for a moment like this in which you actually need to execute a quick text edit while on the show I See, love- I, i'm prepared for this <laughs> I love what that that was the reason why my wife called like it. You said, is it like, is it an emergency? Well, I mean, it's all in the eye of the beholder. It clarified, it classified as an emergency for her. There you go. All right. All right. I like that. Three guys, Brian Thomas, Kool-Aid McKinstry and Chop Robinson. I love it. We're just going to, we're just going to be throwing all kinds of draft questions uh, at Solak where, you know, when I jump in like three weeks before the draft, uh, I will have a good knowledge base to go off of. All right. We are finishing with some voicemails. Cliff, I don't remember which one I asked for first. You can just play them. Uh, play one at a time in whatever order you want. I think we've got three, uh, maybe four here to get to. Um, appreciate everyone who has left those voicemails in there. We will get to as many uh, as possible here. And Cliff, whenever you're ready, go ahead and play the first one. All right, Cliff. Solak, Shield, what's up, boys? This is Dale from Vienna, Virginia. Here with my two cents on the end of the Eagles season and the Eagles offseason. I feel like something that has not been discussed is Coach Sirianni's success in bringing in coordinators when he started with the Eagles three years ago. He brought in two guys, Gannon and Steichen, who did excellent. Well, I mean, you know, Gannon, we have our concerns with, but whatever. They both got head coaching jobs after successful runs with the Eagles, and he had an unsuccessful turn in bringing in replacements. That does not mean that he can't have success this go-around. Let's give him a shot. Teams that have, look at Harbaugh in uh, in Baltimore. He's been kept on the team for many coaching, many cycles of the team, you know, going through quarterbacks and going through coordinators, and they stay with, stay with him, and it's proven to work. You can't just keep turning over coaches and expect it, the next guy to be better. All right, let's go. Go, Birds. Fly, Eagles, fly. All right, so an optimistic view. He's saying Sirianni brought in good coordinators before. Uh, they left for head coaching jobs. This can work with the new coordinator. So, like, what do you think? There's some veracity to that, right? Like, we talked about... Uh, in the immediate wake of the Sirianni kind of debate, will he stay, will he go? And then the coordinator changes that there is value in a CEO head coach mold. I don't think they intended to be there though. And that's the critical. They don't get credit if they get there and it works out well because they, they tripped backwards into it, right? That like, uh, uh, Oh, like they changed directions and they, they reoriented themselves. I, I can't really give them credit for that. I feel like they're just keeping Nick around to keep Nick around and, if they end up in a, a, a an effective CEO construction with Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio, great. Like I think Vic Fangio is a good DC hire. Do I think he's with the Eagles because of Sirianni? Not really. Of course I not. think he's there because he grew up in Eastern Pennsylvania, right? I think that's the main thing. It's also worth remarking. We know we don't know the exact percentage. We don't know the exact strength, but we know for a fact that Howie Roseman is is very involved in coaching hires more than the average general manager is. And so, like even the success of some of the the guys that uh, Sirianni's brought in, you know, Howie's still involved in those conversations. The other thing is you bring up Steichen and Gannon, and obviously he had connections to Steichen and Gannon. Like they, they you know, that, those were definitely Sirianni's guys. When you hire your first OC and your first DC, you're hiring the best dude you know and the, on both sides of the ball. 
once you have to hire your second one, you're hiring the second best dudes you know. Yeah. And then the third, and like they've they've already gotten to the point now where they're hiring people outside of Sirianni's umbrella, right? These Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio really read to me as Howie Roseman hires. So even if it's like, all right, like give him a chance to go hire new coaches, buddy, they hire new coaches. They aren't his dudes. They he didn't know Kellen. He, he didn't. I, he didn't know. And may, Vic, maybe he did. Like you bump into guys and you talk with whatever and you admire them from afar. Um, but in general, like. Uh, coaches don't have that big of a wealth of of coordinator like uh, information, coordinator knowledge, right? Like you bring up the Harbaugh example. Harbaugh brought in McDonald, who like obviously had, was a internal hire technically. Like he he came up in the Raven system, and he brought in Todd Monken, who was just like they interviewed a bunch of dudes, and Todd was the guy they thought was good. He didn't he didn't know Todd. And that's after a long time of Harbaugh being in the league and learning how to evaluate coaches and 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 kind of testing guys' metal. What what does work for us? What doesn't? I don't think Sirianni can just get to that mode quickly, uh, and so. There's some veracity to it. There absolutely is. But I think we're overstating how much Nick has influence over those hires and how like predictably good a head coach could be at hiring assistants. Yeah, I think that's the key. I mean, the way I see this is very simple. Jeffrey Lurie had a meeting with Nick Sirianni at the end of the season and said, here are the things you need to do and we need to do for you to keep your job. Do you want to do them? And Nick said, okay, I guess I'll do them because otherwise I'm not going to be here. And then Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman were like, here's a good offensive coordinator. Here's a good defensive coordinator. And Sirianni's like, cool. Uh, I'm good with this. Wasn't Sirianni going out and being like, here are my, you know, all right, here are my guys. No, now Gannon and Steichen, that's what that was. So this is new. This is like an arrangement. This is one of my big questions about whether this can work or not, is that these are not guys who like Sirianni uh, has worked closely with or has a relationship with. And so that trust is that going to be there, all those things. So um, we shall see. I don't know if it will work or if it will not work. I think there's another voicemail that gets to that a little bit, but I think the setup is quite different. By the way, you know, I, like there's, you know, I think the Chiefs win that game and there's some talk about, all right, Johnny Gans shouldn't have gotten crushed for his performance in the Super Bowl because look, Mahomes does it to everybody. Let me just clarify this for a second here, okay? The first, uh, the, the Chiefs had eight possessions against the Eagles in that Super Bowl because the Eagles offense played really well and was possessing the ball the Chiefs' first eight possessions against the Niners, they had two field goals and no touchdowns, okay? The reason they scored 25 points is because they ended that game with six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, thirteen 13 possessions versus eight possessions against yeah. the Eagles. So if you had the Steve, and I know Steve Wilkes got fired, if you had the Steve Wilkes performance combined with the Eagles' offensive performance, that team beats mm -hmm. the Chiefs. In the Super Bowl. I know it's not that simple, but you know what I'm saying? Just that the comparison is very different. 13 possessions versus eight possessions. You can't just go by the final numbers there. So yeah. I had to get that on my chest. I'm unwilling to continue with Niners defense against Chiefs offense discourse because the, the, the mic'd up segments of the coin toss came out today and everybody is like, positive that Shanahan got it wrong and we just that this is not this is not good discourse it is bad faith discourse they they, they the Niners have given up one touchdown before overtime and it was a one play 16 yard drive first 12 possessions they gave up one touchdown and it was yeah. a 16 yard touchdown the Niners were tw the Niners were what was their they were undefeated giving up 20 or fewer points with Brock Purdy at quarterback I can't remember what the official record was but they were undefeated yeah. they'd never lost a game uh, if, if there is the, the Niners defense 
did their part for as long as you can do the, I your agree. part against, against Reed and Mahomes, man. They did. One touchdown on 12 possessions? Yeah. Yet everyone knew, oh, but you give him the ball. and I know it's Mahomes. I understand. I'm not saying Shanahan definitely made the right decision, but he made a defensible decision. It's a hard decision, right. and you, you could go either it's way. It's a marginal decision it's in a, marginal a new decision. context. Yeah, go listen extra point taken. So many about people that. are positive people they know the right call for that. when yeah. they never thought about it before the game. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. So uh, anyway, okay, sorry. I had to get a Johnny Gaines take off my chest. All right, Cliff, what do we got? What's next? Hi, Ben and Shield. This is Joe. Howdy, howdy. Uh, I was wondering what you guys thought about the corner situation this year versus last year. It seems like Bradbury regressed massively, and Maddox was more injured than ever. Do you think it would have behooved the team to have just moved Bradbury straight into the slot for the remainder of the season when Maddox went down and just have started Ringo on the outside. And what do you think they'll do moving forward at corner? Thanks. All right. I could start with this one. By the way, I meant to, I meant to say first uh, voicemail, Dale. I mean, that's a fun name. You don't get all the time. Dale Solak. I don't know. I'm just saying we got we got to get some baby names going here. Uh, you know, right. I'm having a daughter, right? We talked about this. <laughs> Listen, Dale. No, I don't think I did know that. Congratulations. Oh, we didn't? No, oh. I didn't know the sex. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Right. Absolutely no. Wow. Let's go. I had a split second there where I'm like, wait, did he tell me this? <laughs> I really I, like. No, no, I didn't. I did okay. not know that. I would have. I would have remembered that. I, yeah, very excited. We wanted a girl, so. Wow. Amazing. Let's go. Okay. All right, so you can save Dale for number two. Unless you just want to, listen, there's no rules. You could go Dale for your daughter. All right. <laughs> Cornerbacks. <laughs> Cliff is, <laughs> Cliff's like, I don't know if I'm yeah, putting I'm this really episode up or not. Tough. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's just talk about upcoming. We don't need to revisit last year. I don't think Bradbury's back on this team. I know they got to take their medicine. Uh, I think they're going to take their medicine. I don't think he's going to yeah. be back on this football team. I think Slay will be. So I think you guys Slay, Ringo. And then I got to say with Avante Maddox, listen, there have been stretches of Avante Maddox career that I really like, but the guys played 13 games over the last two seasons. And I don't think like his film has been great when you look at it compared to some other slot corners in the NFL. So I think you're probably still sticking with Devontae Maddox, but can you rely on him at this point in his career, given the injuries? I'm not so sure. So I think cornerback's absolutely an area of need. You know, you can let a guy like Keely Ringo compete there. I think it's something you can look into in the draft. I think in free agency, if you can get someone to kind of compete, maybe someone who's versatile, who could play this slot. If Maddox goes down, who could give you depth uh, at outside corner. I don't think you're going to make a huge splash there. At, but I think you maybe sign a sort of mid-level type uh, free agent at cornerback. That's how I see it. What do you think, Solak? Yeah, so uh, Bradbury to the slot, I don't think would have solved all of their problems. I think no. Bradbury to the yeah, I think Bradbury to the slot was a uh, the only young guys we like can only really play outside right now, and so we have to solve the slot problem by just chucking James in there and hoping it works. Bradbury's whole thing right now is that athletically it's tough for him, and so he's just kind of guessing and, and and being aggressive, and you really don't like that in the slot. You prefer that on the outside where you know you're protected to the sideline. In the slot, if you're guessing, you're guessing on like a three-way go, left, right, upfield. Like that's a, to me, that's a mess. Uh, and so to me, if they were to retain Bradbury, I'd want to keep him on the outside. I agree with you. I don't think they retain Bradbury. I think that you you let Keeley 
be the one a to fight for that job in camp. I, 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 I thought Keeley was up and down, but had some stuff that you like in his, in his reps uh, when he, when he played on the outside there uh, and he's got the earlier draft capital. And so, you know, you kind of give him the, the, the first training camp reps of outside corner, but you're not ruling out Ricks. You're not ruling out Joe for fighting for that spot. Presuming you don't add anybody. I think they'd like to add somebody. I'm almost certain they're going to add like some sort of a veteran to that group, some sort of high floor. Like, okay, if all of these young guys aren't ready, then we can chuck Emmanuel Mosley out there for four. Like, you know, it's some name, right? Like, you know, some guy like that. Um, and yeah, like the 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 veteran corner market tends to have functional dudes, right? Like I'm looking at it right now, and I'm finding Rocky Sin, and I'm finding Shaq Griffin, and I'm finding Chidobia Wuzier, and like. You know, they're just guys that you can put out. You don't feel great about it, but you, know, you they they give you a decently high floor. Um, so we'll see. Like that's that to me. That's the um, that's the future of that outside position. If they want to go big splash, they can try. Right, like Legarius Sneed is going to be available, and to me, like Legarius Sneed is one of the best corners in the league. I don't think they got the money for that. No, uh, and, and so. yeah, I that think would with surprise the me. Young, but you never know. Yeah, the, amount of, the amount of young dudes they have, I think they're just going to keep on trying to. Uh, to invest uh i know you hate generally hate this conversation but i'll ask it anyway could bradbury give you a year at safety <laughs> probably okay i know yeah i'm surprised yeah. all right yeah i mean like, i look at him and i'm kind of like you're gonna be playing a lot of you know like he's got length he's, he's got very smart um, yeah i mean how how much do you like bradbury as a tackler at corner yeah. How much do you like that at safety? Right. Uh, that, that's that's what worries me there. He's big enough, right? He's listed like six one two oh five or whatever. He's got a size, but oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, the Maddox know. thing is tricky. I think like the Brad Brave is kind of cut and dry. Maddox is like, yeah, like is he ever going to be the player that he was before these injuries? Because if not, like they have a pretty substantial nickel corner need. They they don't got a safety who can play over that spot, and they don't have a uh, uh, a young guy coming up who can play that spot. I think. I wouldn't be surprised if a big part of the reason why they were prioritizing Chauncey last offseason was because they had Maddox doubts about his health. Because Chauncey can give you sure. backup nickel corner reps. And and they obviously lost him and they don't have that dude anymore. All right. There you go. All right, Cliff. I think we got two more here. What do we got next? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Nick calling from the 570. Hey. Wanted to give a shout out to the fellow 570 hey, boys. 570, baby. And new defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio. 570 shout out. But uh, what I wanted to mention today was, is Nick Sirianni basically toast after this year? It feels like with this hiring of Kellen Moore, you know, the offense can go one of two directions. It can get to the potential we saw it being a top 10, even a top five NFL offense. You know, the RPO is working. Jalen Hurts is able to actually use his tools because the defensive teams have to respect the multitude of looks that the offense can give them and the offense really starts playing well or conversely, you know, does this offensive coordinator change not really do anything? Is it more chaos kind of like with Peterson? There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Sirianni still having more of a say than it sounds like he actually has. Uh, in which case, if the latter is the result, then Sirianni's probably gone anyways. As the team doesn't turn it around, obviously he's on thin ice as it is. But conversely, if the offense does turn it around, they start playing up to their potential and really start, you know, showing what the talent of this team can be, Kellen Moore is going to start getting head coaching looks. And I guess my thought is, does Laurie Roseman let Kellen Moore go just to keep Sirianni here as, you know, the figurehead, the culture guy, which 
you know, could be important, but also it could just end us back where we were in 2023. So it seems like they would probably take Kellen Moore on as the head coach if he's getting offers, if he's able to turn this offense around, which we all hope he does. So, yeah, that's my thought. You know, does Sirianni ultimately have a path forward after this next year as the head coach? Thanks, guys. Love the show. All right. So I think that, like, if they make the NFC Championship or more, you don't move on from your head coach, regardless of how much you're giving credit to Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. That's not going to happen. I think if they don't make the playoffs, that Nick Sirianni is probably out of here next year. So we're talking about if they're in this middle ground, wild card, or divisional round. Now, I don't think there's really a situation where they would look at it and say, Kellen Moore did a great job with the offense. We're just going to keep him, and we're going to fire Nick Sirianni. I mean, that would really surprise me if they did something like that. But the scenario where the offense is good and Kellen Moore gets head coaching jobs, uh, that's very realistic. That's something that could happen. I haven't asked you the like sh- uh, the straight up Solak. Just like, what are your thoughts as of February fourteenth about how this whole thing's going to play? And you can answer the question too. But this is the same thing. Like, how do you think this is going to play out with the Eagles as of right now? Like with Sirianni, Fangio, Kellen Moore. Is it going to work next year? And they're going to be like Super Bowl contender? Do you think it's more likely to not work? And we're talking about a new head coach for the Eagles next season. Just, I think we've talked about the little stuff, but I don't think I've got your zoomed out opinion of just what your sort of gut feeling is uh, as as we sit here days after the Super Bowl. Yeah, I uh, ask me later. I'm this this Callum Moore <laughs> thing is fascinating. It really is because like Moore, as we have understood him and his offenses, does not fit Jalen. They don't fit, and so there's going to so? be some. Well, uh, Moore is coached for Dak Prescott and for Justin Herbert, right? And those are two quarterbacks who like to stay in the pocket, like to deliver over the middle of the field, are known to be big post-snap processors, big pre-snap processors, check the protection, you know, go coast-to-coast on reads. And Jalen Hurts' offense over the last few years have been a lot of pre-snap reads, a lot of single-player reads on RPOs, a lot of uh, 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 throws outside of the numbers and throws downfield. And, and Kellen Moore has been more like incremental and short and inter- intermediate and create space and do timing stuff. Like, they, again, like, they, there's you always don't want to fall backwards into being like, Jalen Hurts is a bad processor because that's not true, nor is it the argument. It's that the, the Eagles have run very simple offenses for him under the theory that that is the best way to maximize him. It's the best right. way to maximize his running ability, the 11 on 11 stuff. They have such good one on one winners in AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard. And so let's just keep this simple. And that way we can just win our one on ones. It's not a, a referendum on Hertz, rather, it's a stylistic choice. I don't know how Moore's offense fits into that philosophy. And so I really have no, like, I, I, they could be terrible next year on offense. <laughs> they could be excellent next year on offense. Honestly, the thing that would surprise me is that they're mid. Like, that would be what would be weird, right? If they were just, like, 12th. No, 12th. If they were 15th, right? Like, that would just be like, why? Like, what? How? How? Like, I, I, that would surprise me. They're either going to be feel horrible or feel great. And, and, and I'm curious to see where we get. So, I have no gut at this time. No I will gut. develop a gut later. Okay. We will do a gut podcast at that time. All right. There you go. All right, Cliff. I think we got one last one here. And then I know you have a take you want to get off your chest. Yo, guys. No questions, no comments. Just thank you. Thank you for hours of entertainment every week. I have a shitty commute. You guys make it tolerable. Thank you. 
Hey, you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening. So like with, you know, giving our uh, emotional thank you to the listeners on Extra Point Taking, since I'm incapable of expressing uh, emotion. But yes, we thank you. We thank everyone who's listened uh, this season and we'll keep it going in the off season. So I'm glad we can be a part. Commute, gym, walks, washing dishes. What else? Shower. Like these are all like these are the thing, times when people listen to podcasts, right? Am I missing anything? Airplanes. Yeah. 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 Uh, this, walks, that's about it. Walks yeah. to coffee shops. Yeah. There you go. All right. Cl- Cliff, what do you got? You had something you need to get off your chest. Yeah. So first well, first of all, shout out to the Sixers, right? Two and oh, last two games. Beat the Cavs. Been playing the Heat tonight. Heat coming off a of back to back in Milwaukee last night. Uh, coming into Philly tonight, last game before the All-Star break. So shout out to the Sixers. My guy, Ricky Council. Sixers just uh, signed Kyle Lowry. Uh, yeah, so we got another veteran presence. We got another hooper on the squad. So shout out to the Sixers, man. We got to show them a little bit of love. But I was having this argument today, right? And um, Ben, you you know, you're, you're still an Eagles fan somewhat. Shield, you've removed yourself. You've redacted your Eagles fandom. You've said... Time and time again, I'm no longer an Eagles fan. So I, I, I'm really this question is going to be more leaning towards Ben here. So as we know, Eagles fans, they have a deep-rooted hatred for Devo Samuel for obvious reasons. Last offseason after the Brock Purdy comments that Brock Purdy was playing, the Niners thought that they, you know, would have went to the Super Bowl last season. Um, you know, Brock Purdy didn't get hurt. Sean Reddick didn't take his arm off. And, uh, you know, Devo went on his, his uh, Super Bowl rant, Bradbury's trash. Eagles are trash. Just talking a whole bunch of mess throughout the entire time. <laughs> Lo and behold, you know, the, the Niners coming to Philly later on that season, all blacked out, black Air Forces, NBA young boy to come in, you know, like doing the whole speaker thing as they come in. And they, they whooped up on the Eagles. They smoked the Eagles, right? So now that the Niners, they, you know, they advanced to the Super Bowl. They have a great, a great season. They didn't win the Super Bowl. So Eagles fans just find it cool to, to disrespect Debo Samuel. And I just thought, when the hell do we become a city of such sore losers, man? Like, why, why, why do we care about Debo Samuel losing in the Super Bowl after him and the Niners came into Philly, talked all that crap all offseason, during the season, after the game, said they came here, they knew the blueprint, what the Eagles were going to do, effectively destroyed. The Eagles season ended the day that they played the Niners effectively destroyed the season pretty much after that. And Eagles fans felt some type of way and just said, yeah, uh, you know, it, it's cool enough. It's cool now that Debo, they lost the Super Bowl. He didn't show up in the Super Bowl. Da, da, da. I'm like, oh, like he just, he smoked us at the link and pretty much ended the season. Now, Ben, I really want to ask you this. Where do you stand on, on the Debo commentary here? Because to me, it's just like, yo, we kind of look like sore losers at the end of the day because he did come in here talk a whole bunch of mess for a good five, six months and backed it up. Like, am I tripping here to thinking that people are sore losers for trying to say, well, he went to the Super Bowl, didn't play well. Well, damn, he was in the Super Bowl at least. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't think you're wrong that there's some sore losership there. I also don't think that's new. You asked, like, when do we become sore losers? We've been that way for a long time, brother. I don't know. I mean, I was thinking I, the same thing. I, I, well, since I, I've any, been born, yeah, at least I, I can watch a regular season Celtics loss in which they like I, they have like you know multiple guys on rest. But if Jason Tatum, like, I, I, I will watch a Jason Tatum blown 
game-winning shot every single time it comes across my timeline. Every time. Why? Because he should have been a sixer and they traded Markel Fultz and Fultz was bad at it. So I just hate Tatum. Like I just, I just do, there's no reason for it. I got a lot of respect for his game, but that sits in me. It burns at my core. It's a disgusting thing. I, I'm ashamed of it, but it's true. And so when Tatum plays poorly, I feel good. And that's part of fandom. It's just like resent and, 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 and distaste and anger. And right, Debo, like, uh, I, I'm going to say the thing all sore losers say. They started it, man. I mean, like, they were sore losers first. <laughs> they were. They lost every no, championship right. game off quarterback injury. And that's, then they had that's a, a lot of wild mess to talk. Listen, yeah. I agree with that. So I'm not surprised that that yeah. people are giving it out as they took it. You know what I'm I, saying? I like, totally agree with that. that. I totally to agree me. with that, by the way. I'm just saying to myself, I'm like, well, damn. Like, he came in here. He talked He talked all that talk and backed it up in a big way. So for, for us to... After the Super Bowl to say, well, you went to the Super Bowl and you lost and you didn't you didn't have a good game, whatever, whatever happened with his hamstring. To me, that's that's like damn near like bottom of the barrel sore losership to me. And I'm just like, why are we what are we celebrating here? Like the man came in here and destroyed us after he said he was going to destroy us for five months. Like y'all had five months yeah. prepared for this. Like Cliff, I've long said that it's more fun uh, as a fan. And this is not any sport to root against a team you hate than to actually root for your own team. Like the most Absolutely. fun Eagles moment of the last three months was that Cowboys loss probably <laughs> to the Packers. And the second probably most fun moment was Patrick Mahomes on that last drive uh, in the Super Bowl. So that's just how it goes. Listen, nothing wrong with little sports hate. I hear what you're saying. I mean, yeah, obviously, rationally, what you're saying makes complete sense. Like, what are you celebrating? Your but team. We're irrational. Totally... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're ra- fans. Our fans are going to be irrational. And so, your team collapsed down the stretch. What do you got left as you watch the playoffs? You're rooting for the Cowboys to lose, and you're rooting for the 49ers. Like in that Super Bowl, there was no question. Like 99, I'm sure, of Eagles fans were like the 49ers cannot win uh, this game. And so, eh, nothing wrong with a little sports tape. It's part of the whole thing, but I understand. What you're saying. I just thought right. the overwhelming hate was just weird. I, I didn't like it. I thought it was I thought it was All right, bad. chime in. Yeah. Maybe some of you agree with Cliff. Maybe you're saying, uh, let us hate Cliff. It's in our souls. It's healthy. 215 215 315 7982. That is 215 7982. All right. There you go. All right. So here's the deal. Uh we get a little week off next week. Thanks yes. to the fine folks at the Ringer and Spotify, where we're just going dark. Now, if there's breaking news, we'll obviously uh, respond to it at some point, I guess. Uh, but well, if there's not, uh, we'll no podcast on this feed next week, and then we will come back. So is the following week Combine? Solak yeah. or no? It is. Okay. All right. So Solak will be in Indianapolis. You're not coming? No, I'm not going to the Combine. I, got, I, I, gotta, I have to like rank uh, 50 free agents in the next week. Which, Can't do that from Indy? Yeah, yeah no. No, I can't do that for Mindy. That would be a bad uh, use of the company's resources, and that's not what I'm about as a good oh, wow. uh, Spotify uh, employee. So there you go. So we'll talk combat. Some of your voicemails were about free agents, and so I'm like, I need to get through this list. And then you know, I think someone asked for like the ideal uh, off season for the Eagles. So so like, I thought that would be a fun show. You know, we just go Ooh, through. Yeah. Hey, this trade, sign this guy draft this guy, and now you got a good squad going into the summer. So I think we'll do something like that when we come back. So appreciate everyone listening. Everyone have a good week. It'll be a slow week in the sports world. You know, a little NBA All-Star weekend coming up. Probably not a lot going on in the NFL. Phillies are down there. I saw some nice 
videos from Alex Coffee that got the juices flowing, baby. We'll get some Phillies going. And then, of we course, need to get down there, by the way, too. We need to request a. Nazi, now we're talking. Now you're yeah, speaking my I'm language. So, I'm so serious, by the way, too. Like, we really we need I, to get down there and get some I, I saw like, oh, Phillies and Wheeler working on a contract extension. And I actually like, felt something inside my chest. And I was like, oh, dang it. I'm becoming a Phillies fan. Here it comes. Here it comes. We're bringing Solak in. All right. Thanks to Solak. Thanks to Ace producer, Cliff Augustine. Call into that voicemail. If you got takes on the coffee thing, call into that voicemail too. You don't have to just, you know, uh, email on that bad boy. I want to hear from you. All right. Talk to everyone soon. Have a great week. Appreciate you listening to the Ringers Phillies special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.